fellow cinephiles, and welcome to another episode of One More Take, where we discuss all things movies over a nice glass of wine, beer, your choice. My name is Dimmy, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Jasmine and Jordana. Hi, ladies. What are we drinking? Hi. So tonight I'm drinking a cocktail. It's, well, it's like barely a cocktail because there's barely alcohol in it, but it's an Americano, which is Campari, but I don't have Campari, so it's overall, um, and sweet vermouth and sparkling water. Oh, nice. How about yum, you, Jasmine? Yum, yum. Hey, guys. Um, so I'm having, yet again, a Riesling uh, <laughs> from the Raviera Winery. I know. I know some people would get bored. I do not get bored. <laughs> I can drink this all the time. Well, I mean, is it the same bottle? Different. Yeah, it is a different, different bottle, but yeah. it is the same grape. <laughs> so. Yeah, but like riesling actually though is like very versatile because there's sweet riesling, dry riesling, semi-sweet, like all. So I feel like of all the grapes, if like you're doing a single varietal. It's very, like, there's so much variation. Especially also for, with regions. Well, Jasmine, I'm not judging. I'm drinking Prosecco again, so. There we go. So, wanted something refreshing. Woo! All right, so let's kick things off with the quick take. Um, so, the first headline that we, I mean, really need to discuss this week. Yes! <laughs> per Variety, Disney announced it will premiere Mulan on Disney Plus on September 4th for a premium rental price of $29.99. This is on top of the monthly subscription fee. So the way it's going to work is that Disney's going to um, have the movie available to those that have Disney Plus. So like those countries that already get Disney Plus, the movie's going to be available there. If you're in a country that does not have Disney Plus, it will play in cinemas. So... I was pretty shocked when I heard this news. I don't think this is the outcome that anyone wanted. I don't think it's what Disney wanted. Definitely not movie theaters. Um, not moviegoers like myself. I was very excited to watch it on the big screen. I was willing to wait for this movie to come out. Especially when it was like safe enough like to go to the movies again. Mm-hmm. And I mean, come Labor Day weekend, sure. I will hand over $30. <laughs> but I don't think... A lot of people are going to yeah. do the same. I just, I don't know if this is yeah. an ideal scenario. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with your assessment. I think, obviously, when I first saw the price, I was like, hell to the no. But it also, what I, what I think is, you have to, the first movie you do this with, where you're charging a, a large amount on top of a subscription, it has to be a movie you know like has a huge following and I'm not sure if Mulan was I I get that there's very few choices um but I you know considering the just the economic reality a lot of people have right now like I just don't see how you know I don't know I'll be very interested to see the numbers even though the numbers will be whatever they release I think if you're like a full family and you're planning to go to the movie anyway then it makes sense to buy it right because you're going to be buying the movie tickets if you're like me and I would see this on a half price Tuesday or what it not even a half price anymore but like a reduced price Tuesday I would not pay to see this movie full price like why would I pay $30 on top of the Disney 
plus yearly fee. So I think that's the issue. So I'm very curious to see because you know what? People are bored though. So who knows? I could be totally wrong. Exactly. I mean, it's, I do wonder how they came to that number and like why they couldn't, I mean, I'm sure the the schedule was way too backed up and this made sense that they just had to let go of this movie or else things would get too out of hand. But mm-hmm. the price is definitely like abrasive <laughs> in a way. Like so a thousand percent. So I think just that price alone is just going to kind of offend a lot of people and send people in like <laughs> Like, no way am I doing this without thinking, like, breaking it down and being like, if I split this with a family member, yeah. you know, it becomes a little more reasonable, like, like an actual movie ticket price. But that that price is just very shocking. Yeah. But if you're single like me, like, yes, I'm living with other people, but like, we would not normally split like a movie theater ticket. So like, it, it, it just still does not make sense. And I think a lot of people are in that like situation. So, well, I, yeah, I, I think I think it's assuming that it's not a single person that is paying the yeah, thirty dollar yeah, price. Yeah, because you're streaming. I know. Yeah. Still, because like I mean, not everyone. Like I, I don't think it's common that like people who are subscribers to like streaming services, yeah. you know, you're sharing it with you're other paying. people. Yeah. So, but you're not paying for stuff on top of it if you're sharing no, a streaming service. You're yeah. not. But like I think they're assuming yeah. that like that cost oh, is going to sure. split like by more than just um one person for sure but yeah i think the price is abrasive and will drive a lot of people away from doing that and be like you know what i can wait a year to see this movie for free on disney plus that i'm already paying for so this could be what movie releases do in the future this like maybe they'll do a actual movie theater release and they'll do a subscription service release and they'll get money somehow because they they're fighting these streaming services anyway so maybe this is some compromise that they can do yeah i guess we'll have to see how it plays out yeah all right so next um the news i have is per deadline tom hanks is in talks to play geppetto and Wow, another Disney remake. Um, Robert Zemeckis, Zemeckis, excuse me, is um, gonna direct Pinocchio, and Tom Hanks is a frequent collaborator. You know, they did Forrest Gump, they did um, what else? Oh, like the Castaway, the Polar Express. Yes, and so it's more like honestly, I would never go see this movie because like I don't really care about Pinocchio, but I feel like the casting is like perfect. But maybe that's just because of Tom Hanks and who wouldn't love Tom Hanks in anything. <laughs> I feel I like he's being asked to play all of these like yeah, grandfather yeah, grandfather roles. roles, but like all these like interesting like historical figures too. It's it's interesting like the like the turn that his career has taken like in the last like couple of years. Um, I I've never been a fan of Pinocchio, so. I will probably wait for this one to come on Disney Plus. <laughs> I, I probably wouldn't even watch it on Disney Plus. It feels like a cat, you know, like all these remakes feels like a cash grab. I mean, I would see it. Tom Hanks. <laughs> After you see Dumbo, <laughs> you know, it's 
Dumbo was cute. Okay, Dumbo, that's what she's gonna say. Dumbo and like Lady and the Tramp are ones that I will probably just skip. But <laughs> I, I would see Pinocchio. I mean, I, I wouldn't if this new thing of thirty dollars was a thing. No, I'm not gonna do that for Pinocchio. <laughs> I, I, I was just definitely not ask, for Pinocchio. Would, would you guys pay thirty dollars to see this remake of Pinocchio? No, 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 no. absolutely not. Yeah, but I am interested to see what Tom Hanks would do with it and what to see this though? version because I'm not. I remember it from my childhood, but it wasn't one of the ones that were on repeat for me. So it'd be I, somewhat new. It actually really scared me as a child. Oh, um, same here. So actually, I never watched it I think again after the first time I saw it when I was probably two or three. <laughs> oh maybe that's what happened with me like I remember seeing it but I also remember not caring that much. And you just blacked out. Yeah maybe I blacked out and everything else. <laughs> and you're like oh, I've never never seen it never heard of him. Exactly. Uh, so Lionsgate CEO John Felthermere has confirmed that a sequel to Dirty Dancing is officially in the works. Jennifer Grey will both executive produce and stop sequel. So what do you guys think about this? I mean, the first or original or only <laughs> Dirty Dancing movie yeah. came out in what, 1987. So it's like 33 years later sequel. Um, yeah, it won't work if you, if you can't have Patrick Swayze in it. So it won't work. The, chemi- the, the reason why the movie works is they had this chemistry and if even if you try to replicate it it will always be compared to the original right so yeah what are they trying I, to do with this sequel I guess is the question if like you can't can't have Patrick Swayze right yeah um, also wasn't there already a sequel yes. like Hav- Havana Nights I mean I personally enjoyed that with Diego Luna um, but I do, I just want to know like why now? Yeah. What are they trying to? I don't know. Accomplish with the sequel if if you can't have the original cast, I guess. It's like, I don't they know. have one. They have half. <laughs> that I mean, so did Speed too. And look at how that turned out. Yeah, Keanu Reeves was smart. <laughs> I know. I mean, my question is, what more is there to tell? of their story exactly they're passing the torch probably yeah that's it that's a good like maybe she owns the resort <laughs> that's probably i mean because how how else are you gonna do yeah, it? yeah because half the couple it will not be there so it's got to be unless they do some weird thing you know where they turn that character into like you know some evil thing she like escaped out of that and is starting you know how they like to do that sometimes yeah I hope I mean I assume they're not gonna do that because people would riot but I have very low expectations for this that's all I will say yeah so do I (laughs) (laughs) alrighty well let's turn to our main discussion in the long take In a previous episode, we discussed sequels, reboots, and remakes, and how they're everywhere these days. But another hot commodity for movie studios is adaptations. I think a lot of the times we aren't aware of how many movies we've seen that are based on a book. And my friends, there are a lot of film adaptations out there. So for you guys, I want to know what makes a great adaptation versus a crappy one. Mm-hmm. 
So for me, I think there's, you know, two ways to look at a successful adaptation. And you can either have a blueprint or an outline, meaning like you can do it exactly the same as the original text. um, Or you can kind of take core elements of it and kind of add a new, modern, old spin, whatever into it and there's pros and cons to both right but I think for myself personally I like with adaptations um especially if it's like a story that's been done multiple times like Little Women per se when something new is added to the narrative or it focuses on something that one of the movies prior or books prior hadn't done I think if you're adapting something for the first time that's a bit different um because of the like the expectations if it's a best-selling book if it's a comic you know the, the expectations are so high kind of and people are looking at it with you know a magnifying glass of like did you leave this out did you leave this out yes I, I agree with what you said um I think a good one is where you keep the core of the storyline or the core of the mm-hmm. actual characters I mean, adaptations are hard because changing something from like a written medium to a visual medium, like things will be lost. I mean, there's value in both mediums and that's why they exist and that's why they're different. Mm -hmm. I mean, an author writing a book or any written media type thing, um, they're able, they focus more on like, minute details they focus on building that background for the reader Um, they have to be very very detailed in what they're writing because they have to paint that picture that the reader can't see they have to create that in their mind while the screenwriter is just they're going to be more focused on like dialogue they have the the setting we can see it so they're going to be their focus should be more on dialogue and how the dialogue can get that yeah. plot going for mm-hmm. the audience. So. Yeah. Oh. I mean, and also, so like, what do you think? No, I mean, when an adaptation is done right, like, you just feel this, like, immense satisfaction that they were able to do the book justice. And, you, and you're also yeah. able to, like, enjoy the movie itself and you kind of yeah. forget like some of like the maybe the minor details that they left out and yeah. just don't mind it as much no I um, oh I'm sorry no 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 I agree like ultimately my dad said this to me but um you know if you leave the theater with the same feeling that you had reading the original text then they've done their job right and I think if you leave with those same emotions if they they had or similar emotions you know if it evoked the same emotions then it's it's fairly successful, I would say. Yeah, that's one of the battles that mm-hmm. screenwriters face is like length. Like of movies course. have like a running time and it can't go but so much longer than, you know, I mean, some do, but some push it. But it's really like three hours. That's that's kind of a really long movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's no way for a movie to get all of the scenes, all of the details that books can do in 500 pages in like two and a half hours, one, an hour and 40 minutes. So a good adaptation will pick and choose the right details 
that will get the reader that read the book that knows it, they'll know what happens and they can fill in a couple of things that are not there, but they won't miss Mm -hmm. certain like impactful scenes that maybe they're attached to that they read, but they also have to pick scenes and cut out things that don't confuse audience members that have not read the work and are coming to this for the first time. So a good one will pick the right ones and everyone, the people that read it will have the scenes that they maybe looked forward to and the people that had have not read the medium before the book or the manga or anything like that. If they haven't read that, then they'll know what's going on and they won't be lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So what would you guys say are some of like your favorite adaptations? For me, I would say Clueless is the best Jane Austen adaptation ever. Name me a better one because it took it, it stayed very true to the book, Emma, but it totally like re like, you know, put it into a different era but it totally worked even the name of it worked clueless because emma share they're so like in their bubble that they're clueless um yeah i just i love the movie because like it's just a very sharp hollywood adaptation of classic british literature right and it could have gone so wrong and there's other examples of like modernizing kind of classic, you know, American or British literature and it really not going well. But I think because they maintained like the core element of Emma, how Emma isn't a bad person, but and like doesn't have bad intentions, but she's just so like self-involved and in her bubble that it, it it kind of wreaks havoc when she tries to help other people. I don't know, have you guys seen it? Uh yeah, um I saw it a while ago. Yeah. I actually was going to ask, did you see the, the recent adaptation of Emma? So I have not. And you know what's interesting is when I obviously I've heard it's like it's been very well received. But when I saw it, I was like, do we need another adaptation of Emma? Just because there's been, you know, there's a Gwyneth Paltrow version, there's Clueless, and then a BBC version as well that they did. You know, they adapted all of the Jane Austen novels into you know, a, like a mini series. So, I mean, I guess I'll try watching it. Um, but, and, and I know it's great. And so I should give it a chance because I would be kind of be like if I didn't give Little Women a chance, right? Which I did and I loved. But yeah, I was just kind of like, eh, because I'm like, I wonder what they're adding to it, right? To the story of Emma. Actually, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned clueless that is a really good adaptation and I don't think for a really long time I was aware that it was an adaptation because I saw it I haven't seen it recently this is Mm -hmm. from when it first came out it's on Um, Netflix now I I will probably rewatch it after you brought this up but it's so cool and interesting how they were able to like interpret Emma in this way like it's so unique and if it wasn't done right the way that they did it like it could have just been a disaster but the way that they were able to modernize it 
Yeah. It's it's on it's fascinating. It's it's so clever. Yeah. And what and what oh sorry. Oh no, go ahead. Oh no, and what's interesting to me is right, it's an adaptation. It's a modern adaptation, but when you watch it now, it's kind of like, you know, an homage to the nineties when you watch it now, right? So it's these Definitely. very interesting like elements, right? And it it like even how they adapt some of the stuff like with the carriage um like robbery and how in Clueless they adopted that as one of the more iconic scenes where she gets held up in the parking lot. And even even just changes like that and how it was very, you could tell it was very smartly thought out and like very like detailed and they earmarked certain scenes that were significant to the story and the progression of the story and the character development. So you didn't lose that inner monologue that is so easy to lose in any adaptation. So what would you say is like your most hated adaptation, Jordana? Me? Oh, Ella Enchanted. But I mean, that's not, that is more because I read that book as a kid. So, I mean, I think the average person, like, unless they're my age, might not have read the book. But that book is also technically like, it's like a reimagining Cinderella. It's a very smart book. And, um, and they just totally like massacred it in the in the movie. They added, they made it into a musical, and added random like Queen songs. And it was just not there was zero musical element to it. They they added just weird CGI when it wasn't necessary. Like it was just horrible. Like they took the bare bones of the story and kind of melded it to whatever. They wanted it to be, and as someone who enjoyed the book so much as a young adult, it was just so a disappointment. Bad. Yeah, like <laughs> more than a disappointment. I was just like, this person had like it was like one person like wrote the script halfway, and then someone else finished it, and then someone else came in and edited and like decided to make it a musical, but not with original songs. Oh, right, because I remember, yeah, the There's songs a lot of covers. Songs. A lot of cover songs. Yeah, it's not a... <laughs> it's so weird. I mean, I remember the music video that they showed on Disney. Like, Don't Go Breaking My Heart. Like, that's yeah, what I, I remember, remember that from <laughs> that oh movie. God. And that's an old song. Like, that's an old Elton John Kiki D song. <laughs> yeah, I remember it's... being confused. Because I'm not sure if I finished Ella or if I was midway but like I had read some of it and I remember seeing that and I was like was there music (laughs) yeah also I didn't like in in there the element of so like in the book she's very much like a strong female character who's had to take care of herself and in the book it kind of reverses the whole like Cinderella complex where she saves the prince like multiple times and they kind of like go back on that in the movie and she saves him a few times but it's like he's also like saving her and she's just like oh like shot like it it was just they really like removed the like strong female lead element of it for me which I think was ultimately like the problem too what yeah I I mean I didn't read the book but I remember that I was I didn't really enjoy the film it was it just felt like meh yeah um and I remember, I do remember, like, Anne Hathaway's character was just, like, very, like, yeah. damsel in distress. Yes. And I'm like, what is going on? And that's not, like, the book at all. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's so yeah. bad. Well, 
Definitely disappointed Jordan on that. (laughs) Disappointed me. All right. Jasmine, what are some of your uh, favorites? And then what adaptations do you just really hate, like cannot stand? Okay, so for favorites for me, I'll mention two. Uh, First one I'll mention is Gone Girl. Uh, So that was written by Gillian Flynn uh, in 2012. And I found out that she also, and it makes more sense now, that she wrote the screenplay for the movie, which came out in 2014. Because one of the strong points for me was how well the movie adapted the book. It went exactly how the book went. There was nothing that was... I mean, there were, of course, things that were taken out, but, like, those things didn't really, like, negate from what I read. Um, And it stayed pretty true, and it wasn't any unnecessary things added, and it makes sense since she wrote the screenplay. But uh, Mm -hmm. Gone Girl was such an interesting, thrilling read for me i'm sure you guys agree because yeah. i think we all read that around the same time <laughs> you yeah, like, had did. to yeah and when it came out you know everyone was talking for, for good reason one of the few books that like really lives up to that bestseller hype it definitely and- does it's so quick yeah right yeah i remember i missed my train trying to get to work because really? i was so engrossed in the book yeah <laughs> Yeah, the characters are so interesting. I mean, at that time, I don't think I read anything like that. So it was so cool and thrilling, for lack of a different word, to read these about these characters that you can view as like perfect and you peel behind like the curtain and like all sorts of craziness are going on, which is true for like everyone. You don't know what what's going on with other people yeah. so this book kind of definitely entertained that idea that you do you really know your neighbors do you really know <laughs> you, do you who, even know your significant yeah other? exactly your parents oh i hope i do <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so watch, out. Was, watch out watch <laughs> out that was thrilling yes exactly watch out <laughs> If anyone has read the book or watched the movie, you know exactly why we're saying watch out. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and the casting was perfect. So that's another thing that will make or break an adaptation is casting. So true. And that is tough because when you're reading something, you have this picture in your head and, you know, when the casting doesn't match, you know, that's going to, it's going to upset a lot of people. And if you don't have the, the actual characters down, then that's, you, you just lost. <laughs> you just lost everyone. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Totally. Uh, but, mm-hmm. but for my second pick, it'll be Breakfast at Tiffany's. And I'm definitely going to contradict myself when I say what is not my favorite, uh, because it's going to be <laughs> for the same reason that I let Breakfast at Tiffany's slide by. Um, Breakfast at Tiffany's, the movie versus the book, they are completely different. And I don't have a problem separating them. I view them as two different entities. Um, I think it works for me, me because the character of Holly is the same. I mean, the character for Paul is very different uh, and with different endings. But 
I think because they got the essence of Holly, I think it works. I mean, I'm also might be a little, you know, biased because I love Audrey Hepburn. So, you know, rose colored glasses might be on my face when I look at this (laughs) movie. But um, I enjoy both. I think both work. And I think it can, they can both be enjoyed if you want kind of like a romantic kind of comedy, not really comedy, but like a romantic movie, go for the movie. If you want some, a little more like soul searching, I would say go for the book, mm-hmm. but I think both work. Now I said that they both work. Mm-hmm. Now, when I talk about my not so favorite, it's going <laughs> to be the shining and uh-huh. yeah, I have a problem with it. For the same reason you like Breakfast at Tiffany's, right? For, I think what's missing from it is the character. Like, I didn't mind. This is hard. Like, I think I have the same issue that Stephen King has, which mm-hmm. is, like, the Stanley Kubrick version of the movie kind of remove the emotional weight of these characters and it just became more of like a spectacular like more mm-hmm. spectacle I guess mm-hmm. is the yeah. correct word like a sensationalized horror movie versus yes. like a slow descent into like a mental disability exactly but I can't fault this movie because it's kind of like a keystone in like horror in the horror genre like it created so many like of those cliches that like we're all kind of familiar with mm-hmm. and yeah visually I did enjoy it I enjoyed what Kubrick added to it but it felt like it was missing mm-hmm. I needed that like connection to those characters that was lacking for me yeah. I mean Stephen Stephen King he he created a whole mini series because he hated. Yeah, I've heard the mini series was shitty and like dragged on for too long, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. And isn't that interesting? Like, I don't think a lot of people have seen it. They see this movie, yeah, and like that's so much bigger than for Stephen King's mini series. You know, which is probably more true to the book. I was just gonna say, um, I can't even imagine being an author and then having you know the movie adaptation of your book just like be an epic fail (laughs) like yeah yeah well like for you personally you mean like how because yeah yeah, how the characters yeah the author personally like yeah not happy with the outcome yeah i mean the same thing happened with um one flew uh, i uh interestingly another jack nicholson movie one flew over the cuckoo's next nest because ken kesey he didn't like how they which i actually agree with him they didn't like how they changed essentially the narrator from chief um and like kind of the movie away from him and around jack nicholson's character and i agree with him especially like i i think it's important to see it through this character's eyes um and they didn't do that and it still is a very good film but i why the author had issues with that adaptation because that's a major change um, in terms of the narrative. 
Yeah, and I feel like, I mean, I feel like to a certain extent, authors can be understanding mm-hmm. of, like, changes that need to be made, you know, because it's, like, you know, a film medium yeah. now. But, like, when you just go way off-road, it must be, like, so, like, disappointing yeah. for the author. Yeah. It's like, why did I sell my rights to, to you? make a film out of yeah. it? And, like, how frustrating if it's successful, you know? Because then but- it's just, like... To, that you really like this thing that's completely different from what I wrote. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that probably that has to be tough. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. I can't imagine. The disappointment. I guess, thank God, Ella, Ellen Chan. Yeah. Super, super successful. Someone, please remake it correctly. Oh, <laughs> yes. Please. There's a huge opportunity oh. for just me to see your movie. Okay. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. The exact reason that you hate Ella Enchanted is the reason I, and I hate to use the word hate, but I really, really strongly, strongly dislike what they did to Death Note. Are you guys familiar with Death Note? Absolutely not. No? Yeah. So it's a manga that was written by, and I apologize if I butcher the name, Sugumi Oba, and it was illustrated by Takashi Obata. So this manga, which was already adapted into an anime, which the anime is great. It's fast. It's like 25 minutes. It's 30 something episodes. All right. Here's my elevator pitch since you guys are not familiar with it. So what it's about, it's about a, a high school student who finds a notebook called Death Note. And if you write the name of a person in the notebook, they die. I was... Oh yeah. <laughs> Death <So>, note. <laughs> that high school student, uh, his name is Light, takes it upon himself to create a better world by getting rid of criminals. Oh, okay. So, once, you know, the police are finding all of these criminals just dropping dead all over the place. They hire this like insanely popular, smart detective called L to figure out what's going on. So it turns into this cat and mouse game between these two geniuses. Like they're so smart. They think like 10 or 20 steps ahead of any normal person. Like they, they have backups for their backups. It's a thriller, it's a mystery. Like, you will fly through these episodes. They're so, it's done so well. It's written so well. If you don't want to read the manga, the anime is great. My issue <laughs> is with <laughs> the adaptation that Netflix did in 2017. My question is why would they change so much of this? Because who. Who was this adaptation for? Because the only people that would be searching for this would be people who are familiar with this work. We would know who these characters are. We would know what happened in the story. Mm -hmm. So this movie takes these brilliant characters and this interesting plot. I guess you can call it a plot device, but like you can, this interesting concept of like, good versus evil versus like 
if you could help the world, would you do it? Is this a right way? Can you be like a god? Can Is that like a bad thing? Like what's too much? It asks these brilliant questions. And what I get from Netflix is like they tell me that this student is smart, but I don't see it. I get car chases that never happened. Oh, I get no. jumping off of things that never happened in the book. Like this is like a psychological thriller that this has now turned into like this action movie. They kept the death note so they can have that title is what it seems like to me. They kept the characters named so that we wouldn't be confused. confused. But this is this is not what this was about. So I'm confused. I mean, I get Ella because, you know, Disney has like a bigger audience. You know, it can they might have been trying to go for a broader audience. But this this is very specific. The people that are gonna be searching out for this movie are going to be people who read it, <laughs> who watched the anime. And this is not, this is nothing that we read or watched before. So I'm just, I'm just confused. But what about well, you, Demelsa? Do you have any yeah. favorites or ones you don't like? So, you know, when picking out my favorites for this episode, like we, we did try to, you know, avoid the bigger franchises like because I think my all-time favorite is like Lord of the Rings but I feel like that needs its own episode um but one of my favorites one movie that like I've seen a few times now is Stardust which is based on the book by Neil Gaiman and I love that movie it is so fun the cast is amazing and I think the movie visually brings to life the book that it's based off of um, I did read the book and I really enjoyed it, but I feel like there's just something extra magical and fun about the film that just makes it a, a more enjoyable experience. Like the movie sucks you in from mm-hmm. the beginning and like for the length of the film, you're just like immersed in this like wonderful world. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, for current times too, I think it's a very nice escape. It's also a pretty satisfying film and no matter how many times you watch it, you'll still enjoy it. Have you guys I've never seen Stardust? I haven't seen or read it. Would you recommend reading it before? Or it sounds like you don't need to, but it's like a nice experience. I think they're yeah, they're it they're both a nice experience. I don't know if you necessarily have to read the book first. I think the movie does a really good job of like mm-hmm. you know giving you like everything you need to kind of like follow along. Yeah. Um, my most hated adaptation. Well, I was stuck between two. I was stuck between The Lovely Bones, which yeah. is directed by Peter Jackson. And The Da Vinci Code, uh, directed by Ron Howard. Um, I think Peter Jackson did a disservice to the lovely bones. (laughs) And that's all I'm going to say. Not Peter Jackson. That was nicely (laughs) (laughs) But I think for me, the bigger disappointment was The Da Vinci Code. Dan Brown wrote this thrilling book, just like Gone Girl, that a lot of us just like had a hard time putting down. And a lot of us were excited when yeah. they announced the movie adaptation. But when I finally got around to watching the film, it was such a letdown. Mm-hmm. I think uh, problem number one, the casting did nothing yeah. for me. I love Tom Hanks, but I just don't think he was the right choice for um, the professor. Uh, I feel like the pacing was completely off. Like when you're reading the book, it's like a nonstop ride. Mm-hmm. And the movie just yeah. does not capture that same spirit. Um, and 
it just was incredible the film and it just definitely wasn't satisfying like just something was lost in the translation from book to film I agree and I think they really like had an opportunity to like you know create a successful franchise out of this but because I don't know they just failed to make this into a really good movie in the first place and then they failed to make it into a good adaptation yeah Um, no I totally agree with that and I think yeah the casting was an issue because they did not have chemistry the two leads like zero chemistry and not that in that book you I mean but you need something you know what I mean to like go off of it doesn't have to be like even like crazy romantic chemistry but you have to have some kind of rapport and like make the audience invested the same way in the book right Mm -hmm. and so definitely I think that was the biggest problem um the casting like and it's just so hard to overcome that and then the pacing yeah yeah, it just goes to show just how important casting is because like one of the reasons like you know Jasmine you mentioned why Gone Girl worked so well is because the casting was like on point but then you have the da vinci code it's just like yes tom hong tom hanks oops it's a great actor but like it's not for you tom believe it or not ron howard you don't have to cast tom hanks as the lead in every single movie you do i know it's hard to accept but he does not have to be in every movie Ron Howard and Brian Closer too. <laughs> now, did he yeah. look like the character, or did he just not act like the character? Theoretically, yes, but he's like he just—they don't describe him that well. It's just he has like brown hair. He's like older, like like a hot professor is like how. He's yeah, described. I think that's what I feel like. Tom Hanks is maybe a tad bit older than yeah, Robert Langdon. Uh, that's a bit you can like kind of get away. Yeah. Um. Yeah, maybe maybe Tom Hanks was missing the hot professor factor uh, as well. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, uh, like he's not like like Indiana Jones. It's like the hot like anthropology prof- professor who's prof- also an yeah. adventurer or whatever. Also, but like he's like the hot like professor. Also, yeah, and that's like kind of the appeal, half the appeal. Like it was like you know it it was an okay casting. It just wasn't. They could have done it, but better. But it's like, did you guys even look? Or were you just like, Tom, you want to do this? Let's go. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that's what happened. Tom? <laughs> Tom, we got the rights to the Da Vinci Code. Like, let's Tom, you need a franchise. Here, Here it, it is. is. Here <laughs> it is, Tom. Yeah. And they also did Angels and Demons, too. And it's just like, you guys should have stopped at Nobody one. Nobody asked for this. Nobody asked. They did three films. I didn't it's know. Like, oh, oh my god, I didn't even know they did a third. So they finished it. I haven't seen it, so that's why I'm asking these questions. So they because finished... yeah, that's two hours of your life yeah. and you never get back. So, well, I think they skipped over a book. Mm-hmm. They only did three movies. I think there's four. Books. Books. I didn't even know. I like. I think I yeah. read the first two, and then I was like, okay. So okay. you would suggest skip the movie, just read the book. I don't even please <laughs> just read the book. <laughs> yeah. The, the movie is a waste of your time. I am sorry. <laughs> I apologize to all of those people out there who wasted their time yeah. watching that movie. <laughs> so, speaking of, I, I mean, I think we also have like you know in the 
case of the Da Vinci Code mm-hmm. where the book is way better than the movie. Um, are there any movies that you guys can think of where you're like, uh, the book was better than the movie? So, you know, interestingly for me, I do love Gone Girl, the movie. But for me, because of the plot twist and like reading the book, I think however you experience the plot twist first is the better experience. And I that's just the nature of that story, right? And so I love the movie. It's a great adaptation. But I think I just reading the book is just so like all consuming for me. And I remember when I read the book, I like had an existential crisis. Like, can I after finishing, like, can I trust anyone ever again? Mm-hmm. Yes. When it's like, like, can you trust, trust us? us? Like, any, but anyone, <laughs> like, how can you really know someone really? And so, but I think that's just the nature of the story and the plot devices, not like a fault of the movie at all it was a very good movie and you can definitely see the movie and not read the book I just found like I just loved reading the book and like so many books have tried and movies also have like tried to emulate that kind of um, unreliable narrator Mm -hmm. like doing it the way obviously that existed before Gone Girl but how it was executed was just so great that it's like been often imitated but most I, I would say very few have like come close to that so that's not really like a full answer but I just thought I would throw that in there because I just enjoyed and I think it changed like you know popular literature so much yeah I mean I think also if sometimes like movies don't like if there's like a twist yeah. in the book sometimes it doesn't work well like on yeah. the big screen like for me I'm thinking about like the girl on the train yeah. even um, the book for me personally I think the book it's was fine. better than the film adaptation. Yeah. I just think the the way the book plays out, the twist at yeah. the end just plays out better when you're reading yeah. it. Because with the movie, they kind of cheated. They kind of have to give you more crumbs. Yeah. And, you f- and it just doesn't work out as well. You find out, like, who's the unreliable narrator much earlier in the movie. Yeah, it's Kind tough. of, or you have a clue. You have a clue. Yeah, because they have to show something for those people that like to put pieces together. They have to leave those puzzle pieces out. And seeing it visually, it, it's a lot easier to connect things yeah. versus reading it because then the author exactly. can kind yeah. of mention things yeah. and bury it In under passing. like pages. Yeah. And then you're like, wait a minute, did I read that before? Versus, you know? yeah, versus like a movie, like if a note drops and then they like zero in on that. Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, perhaps that's significant. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so it's definitely like those artistic choices that make up for the inner monologue that you lose that can kind of like make or break it for sure. Yeah. So I know that this is probably more rare, but. Are there instances that you guys can think of where the movie was better than the book? I'll mention one that I did read and actually watch, uh, and that's Call Me By Your Name. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a really good adaptation, and I really enjoyed the movie more than I did reading it. And I think that mostly has to do with the pacing. The book pacing was a little slow for me, and I felt it was too introspective for Echo. Like there's too much thinking going on and it kind of 
dragged on a little bit for me, whereas the movie, I think, got the essence of the book. And I thought it was acted brilliantly by Army and Timothy. Like, I thought they nailed those characters. And I thought they got the feel that we were supposed to get from the book, from the movie. I think they delivered that. And I think, you know, you, you don't have to read the book to understand what was going on in the movie. And so I think they work as two separate like entities, but they work together as like one cohesive thought. Yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, if you, if like for those who haven't read the book, but have seen the movie, like you could read the book like as like a treat, like afterwards. Um, I think, yeah, Jasmine, I like, I agree with you. I think what I really enjoyed more about the movie is that they really played up the tension between, you know, Army and Timothy's characters. And I think chemistry is also like a big factor when you're like adapting yeah. um, some of these like, you know, romantic novels. Like I, like for me personally, I, one of the instances that I can think of where the movie was better than the book was like with the notebook. Um, Cause I think what really helps like elevate the movie from like it's like source mm-hmm. material is like you have that great chemistry between like Ryan Gosling mm-hmm. and Rachel McCat- McAdams. Uh, like the book itself is like it's good. I just think the movie because of its chemistry just like took it to a whole nother level and I re- really drew people in into like that love story. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting you guys say that about Call Me because I didn't I saw the movie and I didn't um, read the book but I just felt like that I don't know what the book would be like because I felt like there was a lot of unsaid stuff that I wasn't like getting and like the tension was great but like there was just a lot of silence a lot of glance I get that's the point but like to go into a movie and not like you know I know the basic plot or from the trailer but for me, I was just kind of like, you know, I, 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 I don't know, maybe, so I thought maybe I would benefit from reading the book. I haven't, but like, then you guys are like, you know, the movie's better. So I don't know. Maybe it's just not for me, not to my taste. I don't know. I mean, you might enjoy the book more. I don't know. I really enjoyed how they played with the silences and building the tension that way. I mean, yeah, as like a book reader, we are able to kind of fill in like, oh, you know, during this silence, Elio is thinking this or, yeah. you know, that thought. So that might be more helpful for you. But yeah, I don't yeah. know. It was just a lot. It was a lot of thoughts that thoughts. Like, that went all throughout that book. That was a little Feelings. too much for me. Yeah. He <laughs> so. was all like that LMI song. Like, yeah. Feelings. Yes. So deep in the feelings. So I definitely appreciate it. Just, yeah. you know, seeing the tension in the silence and that worked okay. for me. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, that wraps up our main discussion. Now we turn to our last segment of the show. One more take where we share a film we recently watched and whether, yay, we really liked it or nay, it was a waste of our time. So I'm going to go first because... Guys, I finally got around to watching Mission Impossible, dun, dun, the first one. Dun, 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 dun. And let me let me yeah. say something. It was a nay for me. Which uh-uh. I don't understand. No, uh, what? I actually uh, enjoy uh, the uh, first one. I saw the better ones first. Better and ones, okay. Completely... You saw the more high tech ones first. I everybody says this. 
number one, uh, num- <laughs> movies three through six, I think, are just the better films. I'll ask my sister. When J.J. Abrams came in and he just kind of like, all right, guys, we're going to make this into, you know, better movies. I don't know. Yeah. Don't quote me. <laughs> quote other people. I'm going to ask my sister because she loves Mission Impossible as much as you do. So I think, yeah, I think what happened was that, like, because I saw the other ones first, it really ruined well not ruined but it just kind of like got in the way of me enjoying mm-hmm. the first one i also what really threw me off specifically was some of these like unusual camera angles i don't know i i wasn't digging that um i i again i just have to reiterate i just feel like it lacked the same yeah. magic that like you know the latter films have going for them and just yeah didn't capture my attention yeah. For the full length of the film. So for me, sorry guys, it's a name. Okay, well, I'm about a month to six weeks behind everyone and I saw The Old Guard, which I love. So good. <laughs> Definitely a yay. It's just, yay for me yeah, too. Gina Price, Price Lightwood, like, it's a shame she hasn't had the opportunity to, like, do a thousand more movies, but hopefully after this like she'll get even i mean i know her next movie is going to be with viola davis but it's just so well done it's kind of like the epitome of like an elevated popcorn movie right because it it's it, it's right. an action movie but it's very thoughtful and very yeah it's so good definitely recommend it's on netflix for everyone and um it keeps you guessing too which i love i love in all films it keeps you guessing like till the end or they keep throwing in like little different things that surprise you. So I really enjoyed it for that reason. Yay. Jasmine. Well, just like you, Jordana, I've been kind of trying to catch up on movies that I should have seen already. Uh, So this week I saw the princess bride, which probably I should have seen like years ago, but I was definitely aware of it. I've seen different scenes of it. I've just never seen the full thing. Mm -hmm. But this is definitely a yay for me. It's cute. Mm. It's funny. I really enjoyed it. I got a nice little surprise by seeing Fred Savage. And I definitely paused the movie so that I can sing the Wonder Year song. Uh Uh, he's so cute yeah he's so little in it the cast was great I mean like I'm now in love with Carrie and I I mean I remember (laughs) seeing him in like Robin Hood but like I didn't connect the dots I mean he was also in Stranger Things and I'm just connecting all of these dots now he he was on Psych I don't know if you ever watched Psych I did so like that you see this is so weird he's everywhere and I just ignored him I'm sorry Carrie (laughs) please issue a formal apology (laughs) to Carrie Yules right now yes I apologize (laughs) I will now go through your filmography because I'm very interested yeah but yeah, big yay for me. And I just want to note, I'm, I just don't think that, you know, Mission Impossible should be a nay. <laughs> and you can say that the other ones are better. That's fine. But as a nay, that, that's, that, that's tough. That's tough wow. for me. Wow. Wow. Well, Jasmine, to that I say movies are subjective. <laughs> to each their own. <laughs> well friends thanks for joining me for another episode of one more take if you enjoyed this episode 
Please rate, review, and subscribe. You may also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at underscore one more take. Until next time, bye. Bye. bye.